I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into the Rocky Top Top talk podcast uh i am your host terry lambert joined as always by evan evan how are you doing tonight i'm doing swell my friend how are you doing good uh just just kind of licking our wounds from uh last week's purdue defeat yet another disappointing moment in the ncaa tournament for tennessee uh wild game uh that saw uh, tennessee come out flat and, and make a make a just a, a brilliant comeback only to fall short so we'll dive into all that uh, along with some uh recent news and we'll d- dive into a little bit of a of, of football here at the end uh wanted to remind you we do write for rockytoptalk.com part of the sb nation umbrella of team sites so for all the latest news uh check out our site over there uh if you like the the podcast tonight uh, be sure and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So, again, like I mentioned, uh, Tennessee gets bounced out of the NCAA tournament by Purdue, uh, 99 to 94 in overtime. Just a a wild game, and it really just kind of it was just a a, a real caricature of, of Tennessee uh, basketball down the stretch there. You know, you see the team in the second half that can beat anyone in the country, uh, and then you see the team in the first half that that just frustrated the hell out of us, uh, just wildly inconsistent, didn't look uh, engaged to start that game, and it ends up biting them. I, I mean, we, there's a lot to, to, to take away from this game and, and sort of digest there, but that's my main takeaway. They didn't come out ready to play in the first half. No, and uh, it was a classic, you know, just Tennessee in general over the past, you know, decade um, ending or game, however you want to put it. Um, you know, get get behind early, mount a huge comeback, um, lose on a questionable call or have a questionable call that ends up being a catalyst to- towards a loss. And you're right, they didn't come out the way, especially Admiral Schofield, um, you know, had the terrible, terrible – uh, play where he went to dunk the ball and was rejected by the rim and was literally put on his butt on the court. Um, I mean, it was just it was so dejecting just to sit there and watch that happen. And then uh, the the missing what ten free throws in the first half, you know, and um, it was just all around a bad performance um, at least for the first 20 minutes, even the first 25 minutes. And it was a miracle that Tennessee even had a shot to win at the end of the game. Yeah. Tennessee down 12 at half um, Purdue making just about everything they threw up. Uh, you knew Carson Edwards was going to get Especially his. Ryan Klein. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was going. You know, you knew Carson Edwards was going to get his just, just an all American level type player. Uh, he ends up with 29 on the night, but Ryan Klein won the night for the Purdue Boilermakers. Goes seven of ten from the three-point line. It started early, you know. It started in that that first half. Uh, Edwards couldn't have help, you know. That that was kind of the deal with Tennessee, and, and he got help. So, just a super efficient shooting night for Klein. 
you know, Tennessee comes out of halftime and, and they start eating into it. Uh, about halfway through the second half, they go on a 14-0 run and, and boom, suddenly they've got a lead. Suddenly Admiral, Admiral Schofield is, is totally engaged. Grant Williams is getting opportunities down low. It's just, it, it was it was one of those things where Tennessee did this in just about every game down the stretch. I mean, you look back at Colgate, you look back at, at Iowa, um, you know, they, they ran hot and cold. So they, they caught fire there. Uh, they get back in the game. And, you know, to a certain extent, you kind of wish they didn't do that because they, they, they got you interested again. You know, if you're like me, you had already kind of accepted defeat and you had accepted this, that this was the last game you were going to see this group play. And then they, they do just enough, and then they grab the lead, and, and then they get you reengaged. So uh, just just a really heart-wrenching defeat there. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it came down to, to what it came down to, which was uh, a call at the end of the game, at the end of regulation, on Lamonte Turner on, on a Carson Edwards shot from the corner. Easy to look back and say, hey, Lamonte, why are you playing that so aggressive? But he's just doing his job there. Um, a, a lot to unpack with the foul call. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you. What did you think of, of the referee's call right there, uh, at least in real time? I mean, honestly, I thought it was a foul. I thought he threw his hip into him and made contact. And I can see it both ways. Um, but it just – I, and I don't know much about I don't know enough about basketball to really you know make a definitive call on it, but to me it did look like a foul. Um, but you know honestly, and I'm not trying to you know say this play calls that play, which calls this play or anything like that. But you can trace it back to just one play before that, and it's Admiral Schofield missing that second free throw that could have put them up by four. If you know and that's something that Tennessee could. have have totally have controlled and that's actually what I point to more than anything. Yes, I know that tied the that tied the game, but that um that foul could have also won Purdue the game and you know, just could have silenced everything. So yeah, I, I see it both ways, like I said, at the end of the day. But really, I think Admiral Schofield's missed free throw um, had more to do with it than anything. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And, you know, in real time, I, I guess – I guess you, you you have to make that call, but I, I mean I, I just hate seeing. Well, I, I would say I don't know. I I wouldn't mind it if he swallowed the whistle. Honestly, oh, I didn't yeah. think it was a foul, but yeah, I don't. I'm with you. I don't necessarily think you have to make that call. No. Yeah, I. It, it's just frustrating to see everything come down to a fifty-fifty call from the referee. Right. You know? Subjective, uh, being subjective, right? Yeah, yeah. And Edwards, you know, savvy vet, kicks out his leg and puts the call in the hands of the officials. So I, I, I get all that, but uh, it, it's just such, such a tough way to go out um, if you're Tennessee. You know, coming from what they came from, you know, losing, I don't have the record in front of me, but 16 and 17 games in just two seasons ago uh, to, to – being a national title contender to being a number two seed to being oh so close to being a number one seed, just tough to, to lose like that. And look, you can look anywhere else in this game. Tennessee could have made one more free throw. They shot exactly right. 50% from the free throws, right? 12 of 24. Even if, even, even if they made, made half of their misses, like they didn't even have to, they don't even have to, you don't even have to go back and say, Hey, if they made all of their missed free throws, 
like even if they just made half of those misses, they would have won the game. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just crazy. I, I've never seen that happen, and it's funny because um, the whole entire time they're making the comeback, I was watching the game with my brother-in-law while I was doing my uh, recap, and we kept we kept saying well, we're still down eighteen, we're still down eighteen yeah. because we knew we knew the inevitable was coming. You know that they had to eventually lose. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Tennessee lost the rebounding battle. You know, 40, oh, 43, 38. Uh, it, yeah, it was, it was a lot worse than that. I, I think Tennessee actually ended on a high note uh, there. I, I think uh, Matt Harms, his length inside was bothering them. So uh, disappointing performance. Again, I go back to the first half. If they come out locked in, Tennessee isn't in this this situation. So, uh, yeah, they we're left wondering what could have been. Um, and you're left with a lot of tough questions. Like, like, what do you make of this team now? How do you view them? How are you going to remember them? I'm going to remember them, hopefully, as a foundation going forward for this program. But um, it, it's tough for me to say this, but but I've got to remember them as a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, you look yeah, at how you look at how last year ended with with Loyola Chicago. You look at how this year ended, being number one for five weeks, four or five weeks, whatever it was. Um, this this team should have gone farther. They had a chance to go further, but they just didn't. So I think they're. I think you've got to view them as a little bit of a disappointment. Well, they were. You know, they finished ranked what eighth in the country at the end of the season. Um, they were never ranked anything lower than that. So if you play like a top eight team all season long, I'm sorry, but I expect you to finish like a top eight team. So for me in the tournament, my expectation was elite eight or a disappointment. And, you know, while sweet 16 is okay, you know, I think if you combine it with the fact that they don't have a regular season SEC championship or an SEC tournament championship, then, you know, I hate to, <laughs> I hate to bring um, our, uh, our, a uh, bearer of misfortune, uh, Connor Knapp, into the fold. But like he says, we have nothing to show for it. You know, after this great season, we don't have anything to make a T-shirt from. Yep, he's right. And, you know, when you put it that way, you don't win an SEC title this year. You don't win an SEC tournament title. You only get to the Sweet 16. You get bounced in the round of 32 last year. Uh, that's tough. I mean, all you've got to hang, hang your hat on is, yeah. a, is a shared title with Auburn last year. So, just feels like they could have done a lot more there. Um, hopefully it's not over, you know. Um, that's that's kind of a nice segue into what we're going to talk about next. But before we do that, we'll take a short break, and we'll be back to talk about the decisions of Jordan Bone and Grant Williams down the road. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so the fallout from Tennessee losing in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you've got a couple of of really important decisions uh, from Jordan Bone and Grant Williams. Two juniors, uh, Admiral Schofield, Kyle Alexander, they're going to move on. We know that. Uh, but Jordan Bone and Grant Williams have legitimate NBA futures. Now, Jordan Bone has already declared for the NBA draft, but uh, has not signed signed an agent 
the report from 247 says that he is expected to stay in the draft. Um, we'll see. You know, I think that's going to be determined later by what the NBA tells him, how he's evaluated, how many visits he gets, where he's projected to go. He's got a lot of information to take in. He's going to go through this process like Admiral Schofield uh, did last season. So I don't think you should shut the door there. Um, but if if you're talking about Jordan Bone leaving, uh, this Tennessee backcourt takes a massive, massive blow next year. Oh, for sure. I mean, that would be huge. It's one thing to lose Kyle Alexander, Grant, or not Grant, uh, Admiral Schofield, and possibly Grant Williams, but to also potentially lose Jordan Blunt. My Lord, hold on. But to possibly lose Jordan Bone would just be a downright catastrophe. Um, it's just I can't even fathom it right now off the top of my head. Um, the backcourt would be a mess. Well, not necessarily a mess, but you, it would just be unproven. Um, you're going to lose a lot of production, uh, just not in terms of scoring, but in terms of getting other players involved, right. in terms of pacing the floor. I mean, he just brought so much to the team this year that, honestly, I don't. I think he outgrew outgrew Rick Barnes's expectations and kind of uh, put Rick uh, Rick's what's the right word I'm looking for, um, his development plan on, on, he put it on the fast track and now he's kind of, if he ends up leaving, you know, he's going to leave Rick for, with a hole for probably about the following season, you know, and I don't think they'll be able to recover probably till about 2020. Yeah. I, Bones growth this year was the most spectacular thing about this team. Yeah, man, it's like a chia pet. I mean, you talk about a dude that didn't know what was going on last year. He was just kind of right. existing on the floor and, and, you know, would make a play here or there. He but, was there just to bring the ball up, basically. And he turned into the dude. I mean, the, the offense ran through him. Uh, it, Rick trusted him to, to bring the ball up. You know, he pushed the pace, get to the free throw line and kind of decide where the possession was going to go. So, um, just from a maturity standpoint, that guy really, the light just came on. I mean, it, it absolutely came on. So, I think he's got a, a legitimate NBA future ahead of him. I think that speed, uh, he showed some pretty consistent shooting down the stretch, too. Uh, I, I think that's probably the the biggest knock on him right now is his three-point shooting, but I think it was it was pretty good down the stretch. Uh, so I think he's a playmaker. I think that elite athletic ability, uh, ability to get to the rim and score and finish, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of him. So certainly hope he comes back. If he doesn't, though, I mean, you're looking at, at an offense led by Lamonte Turner, uh, it, probably at, at the point guard position. Maybe Josiah James. We don't exactly know how they're going to use him. The five-star freshman coming in, top 15 player in the country. Uh, he could certainly be the, the, the point guard there. But if it's Lamonte Turner, I think you, you have a drop-off there athletically. Uh, but Lamonte is going to be a senior. He's seen it all at this point. Uh, I, I'm not sure he's quite the point guard that Jordan Bone is, but Tennessee would be okay. But if you talk about losing Jordan Bone along with Grant Williams, Tennessee's not going to be okay there. Uh, Tennessee would be a, a mid-tier, maybe a maybe a, a, a you know a mid to low-tier SEC team there. So uh, these decisions are huge. Um, Grant's case is really interesting. 
because I think he's kind of peaked as a prospect. I'm not sure what you gain from coming back other than maybe working on the outside shot a little bit. Uh, so I, I'm really interested to see what Grant decides to do. Um, let me just go ahead and put on the record. I think both of them come back. Now, don't get me wrong. I think both of them can be NBA players, but I just I just don't have that feeling. And usually, even if – usually when uh, players make a move like this, I usually have some kind of gut feeling, and it's just not there for me. But think about this just real quick. If Williams and Bone do leave, that's 17 years of experience that Tennessee's going <laughs> to lose. 17 years amongst the four of them. That's that's wild and depressing to think about. <laughs> right. um, yeah, just just kind of getting to know Grant through the years. I I just don't see him wanting to leave his guys behind. You know, he came in with Lamonte Turner. He came in with Jordan Bowden. Came in with Bone. I I don't. If Bone comes back, I can't see him leaving. It's kind of. I feel like it's going to be both or kind of all or nothing. You know, both of them are nothing. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I, I have no inside information or anything, but I, I just feel like Grant's the type of guy that, that kind of wants to finish this out. And look, he's, he's got a chance to be the, the three-time SEC Player of the Year, which would put him in absolute elite category status at, at Tennessee and really in the SEC and, and nationally. Uh, you just don't see guys sticking around for four years and winning three Player of the Year awards like that. So um, obviously a, a lot to sort through there. Uh, I think Tennessee will be fine. There's a, a real possibility of a down year, uh, but if they both come back, you're talking about Tennessee contending for an SEC title again next year and, and potentially being another top 10 team. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, again, Rocky Top Talk for the latest information there. All right, to finish the show, we will kind of shift gears and we will talk a little spring football. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, kind of lost in in the basketball <laughs> stuff. We got spring football going on, you know. Whoa, yeah, <laughs> that thing. You know, any any other time, any other year, uh, we'd be all over the spring football stuff. But Tennessee was so good on, on the basketball court, we kind of had to to focus on that. So uh, a lot to to talk about. Jeremy Pruitt looking uh, entering year two uh, has brought in a, a really really solid. Recruiting class, a couple of stud transfers here. Uh, Jim Chaney going to be the new offensive coordinator. He's already implementing his system here. Uh, I think the story of the spring, you know, it, it, it all revolves around the quarterback situation. Until you get a clear answer on it, it's going to. Uh, what can Jared Garantano do? So, Evan, I'll kind of throw it to you here. Uh, just give me your, your quick assessment of Jared Garantano because I, I think we kind of differ here. Man, you know, I like him. Um, outside of, you know, his his pre-snap recognitions and his pocket awareness, 
I think he's got all the tools to be a successful quarterback um, in the SEC. I don't necessarily think he could win the Vols a championship on his own. He's going to, you know, need a lot of, you know, players around him to help him do that. But, I mean, we know how Jeremy Pruitt feels about his players because his actions, and like they've always said, actions speak louder than words, his actions always tell us what we need to know. If he didn't feel comfortable with Garantano as his quarterback, he would have brought somebody else again in like he did with Keller Chris last year. Um, I think Garantano has shown plenty over the past year and a half uh, starting where you know he's tough as hell and he, he's got the athleticism. He can make the right throws. Um, he's got all the arm talent in the world. He's just got to fine-tune a few things, and he's good to go. I think having a really having a solid offensive line, which I heard the first couple practices, they didn't look too hot. So that's a little worrisome. It's almost like they're cursed at this point. But um, if he can get some solid blocking in, man, I think he could really step his game up this season. Yeah, it, it's tough to, to give a full, confident evaluation considering what he's been through, considering what he's played with. Considering that offensive line, which has just been It's also his third offensive coordinator in three years. Exactly, exactly. So there's been just nothing concrete around him. Uh, I think Jim Chaney is going to be really good for him. Now, having said all that, I I need to hear a compliment on Garantano that isn't, well, he's really tough and he gets up after taking hits. That's great to have. He's going to need it behind this offensive line. Uh, but I, I need to see him get the ball out quicker. I need to see him attack the middle of the field. It just seemed like Tennessee's passing attack was limited to, you know, just just downfield routes or, or, or short passes to Ty Chandler. I, I just, I, I think Tyson Helton was a little handicapped there. Uh, maybe Jim Chaney will call it a little, a little freer. Uh, so we'll see there. He's got he's got talent around him at the skill position. You know, Dominic Wood Anderson at tight end. Jawan Jennings, Marquez Callaway, Josh Palmer, uh, Ty Chandler in the backfield. There's plenty of skill positions there. Unfortunately for Tennessee, they just haven't had the offensive line to go no. go with that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's just taking the knees out of this offense. So and from that standpoint, I kind of feel bad for Tyson Helton. I think he got a little bit of a raw deal. Uh, I, I think he certainly could have called games a little better than he did. But uh, Tennessee's going to be relying on youth on that offensive line. I think that's absolutely the key to Jared Garantano's development. Uh, I just don't think he's been given a fair shake yet. And I know I've been critical of him, but uh, we at least need to see him playing with, you know, Darnell Wright, Wanye Morris, and all those guys. Uh, hopefully they can give him a little bit of a time, a little bit of time to throw. Uh, so maybe we can make a, a, a fair evaluation on the kid uh, this fall. Yeah, you know, and I mean, it's it's completely reasonable for people to have their doubts, and I, I can understand why. And actually, I mean, I remember the throw, a couple of throws he made in the South Carolina game earlier in the season um, just were right on target, pinpoint, right where they need to be, a couple of really good anticipating the anticipation throws to Marquez Callaway. You know, and then, I mean, the deep ball placement obviously is is awesome, and not many quarterbacks in the college level can do that. So, I mean, I just think you get him in a good, consistent flow, which Jim Chaney will do, um, you know, find what he's best at and get him some freaking protection, and I think the kid can rock it out. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know, might have a potential new weapon there in uh, D'Angelo Gibbs, the transfer over from Georgia. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Strong running game will help too. Yeah. Uh, Gibbs is interesting because he, he's played snaps on both the offense and the defensive side. I think Bruce said he's going to finish on the defensive side. Played safety at Georgia. Uh, but you flip his high school tape on, this kid destroyed guys at the high school level. So talking about elite speed down the field, um, that's another playmaker. We'll see if Tennessee gets him eligible. Aubrey Solomon and him have interesting cases there. Uh, but with Tate Martell getting cleared by Miami, I don't see any reason why those two shouldn't be able to play for Tennessee. So um, that that's you know we talked about that recruiting class that Jeremy brought in. Can't forget those transfers. You know he's just right. making making this roster more talented there. So um, Jeremy Pruitt is begging people to show up to the spring game. He's already lining up visits. Uh, it, it's it's a big moment in, in the recruiting world. You know everything's kind of moved up since the early signing period uh, was installed. So uh, it kind of sets the tone for the summer. I, I think that's why you're seeing him push so hard uh, for people to show up to the spring game. And it's kind of an odd uh, the the, <laughs> the the reception to to him calling for people to show up to the orange and white game, yeah. which is a free event. You know, it's not like you have to give the school any money. Uh, it, it, people have really pushed back, you know, saying, oh, we should go beat Vandy first. Well, you know, part of beating Vandy, you know, is getting players in the program. So uh, I, I've been confused by by the perception around that statement. Just kind of seems odd to me that you would push back on, on, on going to a free football game. Yeah, I mean, both sides. It's just kind of like, come on, guys, really? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand why it's such a big deal to Pruitt. You know, he made the comments last year about uh, more people showing up or something like that to that extent, and then, and now this year, I guess maybe that ticked. People, and I think it did take people off last year, if I remember correctly. I think there were a lot of phone calls that were made to one hundred four five of his own, um, but. And then now, I don't know, I, I just really feels like this might be something that's just kind of like one of the, a splinter underneath Vols fan skin for, for the next coming years, especially if the team's mediocre. And I really hope this doesn't bleed over into anything serious, but it, it's, it's just all weird. I just Both sides, just, hey, guys, come on. Like you said, it's a free football game in the spring. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah, and, and to be fair, Pruitt's comments were – Came across a little odd last year, uh, you know, calling fans out for not showing up when you had a reported 65,000 in the stands. I, I get it. He comes from Alabama. Uh, they put 100K in the stands for the spring game. They didn't do that before Saban got there, though. You know, you, you win right. national titles every year. People are starving for that that football team again. That happens. So um, I'm kind of with you. I, I see a little bit of both sides, but. The belly aching over Pruitt calling for people to show up is is pretty strange to me. So yeah, all of it is. It yeah, all. you know, as spring games April thirteenth, it's under the lights. It's gonna be cool. Uh, you don't have to deal with the sun and Neyland or anything like that. Uh, getting to see part of this this new uh, rock star recruiting class come in. Jim Chaney's new offense. It's your first look at that. So. No reason not to go. Check out utsports.com for all the details there. So we'll have it covered on, on RockyTopTalk.com. We'll have plenty of stories going up next week, previewing all the action, looking at some storylines there. Uh, we'll get our film guy, Power Steve Tape, uh, to, to break it down after 
uh, and he'll give you some stuff to, to watch for next week. So be looking for that. So uh, next week, maybe we can get him on and, and, and have a full preview of this orange and white game. So uh, as always, thanks for listening. Again, subscribe to iTunes, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Be sure and subscribe uh, to us. Drop us a rating in there. Uh, check out rockytoptalk.com daily uh, for all the latest Tennessee news. So for Terry, for Evan, this is Terry. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.